Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Recorded live. Sunday night Bible study. Appreciate you guys being there tonight. We've got Brother Chad with us tonight and Brother Dave, and we're going to um, be going over a lot of stuff tonight, folks, not just any specific chapter necessarily. Um, we're going to be dealing, to start the program off with one word. We're going to run a few references in that through the uh, concordance, and I'm going to make a few comments. Then we're going to deal with Mystery Babylon versus the Babylon of history and we're going to see we're going to kind of see the differences about having to do with the prophecy of the destruction the difference between the decline of Babylon and the destruction of Babylon so that's the way we're going to start off tonight how you guys doing very good pastor Don 
Amen, Brother Dave. Good. Very Amen, good. Brother. Amen, Brother. Hey, Brother Dave. How are you, man? Pretty good, Chad. Pretty good. good. So, I guess you're doing well, you said. So. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, if you would, um, Brother Chad, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer. And if you don't mind, remember Brother Steve and Sister Julie and Brother Sergio when you pray, Brother, okay? Okay. Heavenly Father in heaven, how great are you? We are so humbled to be in your presence. Give us this day our daily bread, Father, and we are so thankful for what we have. Yes, Father. The clothes on our back and the, and the food in our belly, Father. For when we truly feel your faith, we have no want. Even if, we, even if, even if to others it might seem like we may not have a lot, Father, we know that we have more than, than we can even know because of your presence in our life, Lord. For you are the Lord, the Lord and the King of Kings, and we ask that you come into our spirits tonight, Lord. Bless our Pastor Don, that the Holy Spirit move in him and be able to teach us your will, Lord. And let the Holy Spirit move in us and all those in the chat room and those that download later, Lord, that their Holy Spirit be raised up in them and their candle be lit and that they be able to hear your word to your will as well, Lord. And we give our prayers to our, our brethren, Brother Steve, Sister Julia, and Brother Sergio, Lord. Please deliver them what their needs are, Lord. Yes, Father. As you know them. You know what, what they need and what their wants are. Well, not what their wants are, but what, what they truly need, Lord. All we ask for is that you give us what we need and that you help us to be faithful and righteous in a world that is absolutely gone mad around us, Lord. Save us from distraction. Save us from the temptation of the devil. And forgive us for our sins, Lord. For the sin is in our flesh and we cannot shed that. But through you, we can separate our outward man from our inward man, Lord. And bring us closer to you, Lord, through your word. For in all these things, we are not worthy except for your mercy, Lord. And through your grace and the shedding of the blood of, of your precious son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And and also for you downloaders and that pray that just come to this program to download. Um and for you folks in the chat room, if you would, I have a personal request that you pray for Brother Brian Adams. It's Brother Tony Adams' son and it's a kind of an unspoken request, but I, I ask that y'all pray for him in your private time that the Lord would um touch his life and heal him up and be with him in everything that he does, and I'm sure that Brother Tony would appreciate that as well. Anyway, on we go. We were in Daniel chapter 5, folks. Um, last time we were in the book of Daniel, and we talked about every from chapter 1 to chapter 5, we know there's been history, history, his stuff that happened in the past in Daniel. And when we get into chapter 6, we're going to deal with probably the most um recognized story in the in the quote-unquote Christian world, and that will be Daniel in the Den of Lions. And just about every, every anybody's ever been associated with, with any kind of church at all, they know about that story, and that's in Daniel chapter 6. But as we've been dealing with these kingdoms, and, and Daniel is captive in Babylon, and they were captive, it started off with Nebuchadnezzar, 
then you you have the you have the prophecies in Isaiah and also in Jeremiah that prophesy the destruction of Babylon at a future time and it, the it, the details of the de, of the destruction are absolutely phenomenal and precise and we're going to deal with some of that in just a little while but first of all I wanted to talk to y'all about a word that appears for the first time in Genesis chapter 6 and it's the word imagine you remember what I've taught you brother Dave you can go ahead and pull it up if you don't mind where it occurs okay Mm -hmm. and the word imagine and you know brother Don's always slobbering and spitting about this law of first mention we're going to hit a few places and see what the and see what the word of God just the context of where that that word occurs. I'll go ahead and tell you in the New Testament, Paul says he puts it in the category with anything that exalted itself above the knowledge of God. He said, casting down every imagination and the thought, everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So the way it goes through the word, the way it goes through the scriptures, and especially the way it starts off you realize that our imaginations are one of our biggest foes. Brother Kevin and I were talking about that this morning, and it's so true. A lot of Christianity you have out there today is imagination, okay? You've got even Bible teachers that are in the imagination realm, all right? I can understand why some of the brethren are... um, kind of hot and heavy on pragmatism when it comes to the Scripture. I can understand that. The thing about our imaginations is you have to be able to separate the, um, the imagination from the Spirit of God because it's all something woo-woo, okay? Both of them are unseen. But both of them, one is a product of our own flesh, the other, the uh, the Holy Spirit, which we get enlightenment, knowledge from God, conviction, and all that stuff that comes that's that's from God. And there in today in today's world, with the media the way it is, all the forms of media that's out there, the way people just keep putting this in their ears and this in their eyes and this in their ears and this in their eyes, it warps the imagination a lot of times to the point where they can't separate, if the Spirit of God dwells in them, the teachings and voice, that still small voice that it talks about in Second Kings that speaks inside us and to us, they can't separate the imagination from the Holy Spirit. So I want you folks to think about that. That's, kind of, that's the kind of stuff that when you're alone, if you have devotion time, any of you that are actually serious about this business called Christianity and really know Jesus as not only Savior but Lord as well, you need to spend a little time thinking about this stuff. Because as we were talking before the program started, you got people that just Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus that, everything Jesus, okay? Oh, I'm Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm this, I'm that. Oh, I'm yes, Jesus, yes, praise Jesus. But like me and Brother Kevin was talking about this morning, all you have to do is just lift up the covers of their life and lean an eye to it, 
and you find out that their actions speak a lot louder than those words. They speak up because Satan pulled a, a good one. Whenever the church, so-called church, married the world all the way back in 325 A.D., that was one of the most monumental moves by the adversary that, that's been done in the last 6,000 years. Because it put it put everything into a perspective to where deception would be at its at its peak from then on, and it and it's been that that deception is growing stronger and stronger and stronger till now we're in the last days. And if you read the scripture references that we've went through umpteen times, deception is right there. It's right there. The Lord speaks about it over and over again in Matthew twenty four. And Luke chapter 21 and chapter 17 in Luke, and also in Mark chapter 13. So let's deal a little bit with this imagination, because I know about, the world tells you the imagination is a wonderful thing. I'm here to tell you when Satan and the spirit, the things that have to do with Satan and unclean spirits, attach themselves to your imagination. As a Christian, you're in a world of hurt. I didn't say you'd leave anything. I'm saying if you're a real Christian. I'm not talking about you losing your salvation, but you can lose everything else, just like Lot did. Don't ever forget old Lot. The Bible says he was a righteous man in Peter, Second Peter. And the last time you hear of Lot, he's committing incest with his daughters laid up in a, in a cave drunk. And he's called a righteous man in Peter. So... That's how easy. That's how how circumspectly you need to walk. That's that's why all the admonitions in the scriptures about disassociation with this world, because it is full of imagination. And in the and like I said, repeating myself again, as we're in this media from media blast from every direction. In this world we're in today, that imagination can be can be um, fed and raised by the world itself to where you won't be able to tell the difference between your own imaginations and the Spirit of God. Brother Kevin, you want to add anything to that? What we were talking about this morning, brother? No, I think you did a good job. Brother Dave, go ahead and read our first mention of the word imagination. Okay. Genesis 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay. That's the first place it occurs. And where does it occur? Right before the destruction of the world. Why? Because men's hearts were on evil continually. So what does that mean for today? All the way back there, it means that there's nothing new under the sun, and just like it started out right before the destruction, back then it's going to be the same way here in the future. Or as the Lord so quaintly put it, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So, Brother Dave, just pick out a few references. I know you've probably got it pulled up in your um, 
in your uh, concordance and just just haphazardly just pick a few of your own choosing and let's read the context where that word occurs on through scripture i think 26 times imagine imaginations and imagination singular occurs in the book 26 times altogether so just it's your own choosing brother okay strong's definition uh the the thing that i found profound was the definition that says conception as in purpose Mm. so we can see that the purpose everything that was conceived in their heart was the purpose was to do evil amen brother Good, that's good. Um, okay. I've got imagine. Uh, Job 6.26. Do ye imagine to reprove words and the speeches of one that is desperate, which are as wind? There you go. Another. There's nothing wonderful about that one either. So go to the next one. Let's get... Check it out. The point I'm trying to make, folks, while Brother Dave's going to the next reference, is this this law first mentioned I've been telling you about. I know, I know how a lot of most people think you fluff it off. Say that's just some concoction that Brother Don has been taught in the past. Well, why don't you check it out before you go thinking those kind of thoughts in your imagination? Okay, because I don't, I don't, I don't tell you guys nothing. They, nothing like that, okay? And if I do make any kind of statements, I try to phrase it by saying it's just my opinion or there may be something to this or maybe not. This is absolute fact. It's been proven over and over and over again. And it's there for you to check out if you're just not too lazy to do it. And you'll start, and then when you're studying the Word of God, you'll remember those. When something specific pops up, you'll find out the context of the sentence, the subject, the verb, you'll see the word that occurs. You'll go back and check it out in, in, in the Word of God where it first appears. Okay? And then you can bring it on through. Now you start to understand. If you if you do that, you all start understanding why you change those words. You lose your references and cross-references. You lose the thought that the Lord's trying to get across to you. So go ahead, Brother Dave. Uh, Psalm 38.12. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. Absolutely. Just go for, go further on up in this. Okay. Imagination, Deuteronomy twenty nine nineteen, and it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he bless himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. <laughs> there you go. There's another one. Real good stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yep, next one, brother. Um, uh, Deuteronomy 31:21. And it shall come to pass, when many evils and troubles are befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination, which they go about even now, before I have brought them into the land which I swear. There you go. There's another one. Just go ahead, brother, if you would, and go to Second Corinthians and pull them one out. I think it's the last reference. 
Okay. I quoted the verse a while ago, practically, but you can go and read it, where Paul says, "We uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting okay. down every thought and every imagination. Uh, imaginations, it must be. Yeah, it's. I think it's um, plural. Also, Pastor Dunn, I think uh, Genesis 8.21, I find it interesting that after, before the destruction, imagination of the thoughts, and then in, in 8.21, uh, imagination comes up ex- uh, immediately after the destruction as well. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the sin that dwelleth in man, brother. And that the heart and the imagination shows up more, more often than not as well. Yes. They're both, I, that's, I'm glad you brought that out, brother, because that's one thing I was going to mention. They're inextricably tied together. They sure are. Brother Dave, you found it? Before, yeah. Before I read 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I'll read uh, Romans one twenty one. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There you go. That's, Brother Kevin, that's the one I was talking about this morning. I told you it was in Romans 1. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. Spot on. Second Corinthians ten five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Amen. You say, brother Don, okay, you made your point about that. Well, what's man supposed to do with his thoughts? Well. Paul just told you, you're supposed to take them captive. You're supposed to be the controller. Well, what are you supposed to think of? Turn to Philippians chapter 4, brother. Okay. I think it's verse 8. Verse 8, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. Finally, brethren, whatsoever yes. thing. Yep, that's it. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. See there, folks? Now, let me ask you a question. Is what the world spewing out to you does it match anything Brother Dave just read? But does it not match everything the Scripture has warned you about? Putting in your eyes and ears. See what I mean? You can't beat this book with a stick, folks. God's got it covered. It's there if you want it. But ignorance is bliss a lot of times, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Well, you do now. So... And much is given, much is required. So that that's just a little object lesson that Brother Kevin and I were talking about this morning. I'm so glad that he brought it to my attention. I had thought about something along those lines uh, a long time ago, but he, he brought it up, and I thought it might be edifying to the brothers and sisters out there. So now we will go, and we will check out Babylon versus Babylon the Great. Isaiah chapter 13, brother. Okay. And we go through these chapters, folks, and read some of these verses. 
Brother Chad, while Brother Dave is is going through uh, Isaiah chapter 13 and 14, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 50, brother. And um, when we when Brother Dave, when we get through and with 13 and 14 in Isaiah, then we'll go to Jeremiah 50 and 51. So you can go ahead and and pull up that, okay? Okay. Okay. Brother Dave, you start. I know yeah. this is what I want you folks to think about. You downloaders and the ones in the chat room that are actual Bible students. I want you to think about this. Ask yourself this question. Did what the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write down, was it fulfilled and what specifically in what we learned in Bell's chat when Bell, the handwriting was on the wall and in history what we know about the taking over of Babylon? Ask, ask yourself, was this fulfilled? Now, you're going to run across people, and this is what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you that God, that it was just a bunch of flowery language and just this is really the destruction of Babylon. That this actually, they're going to say, well, God really just meant this. See, this is where they get in trouble with allegory and metaphor. So I want Brother David to start at verse 1, and I'll stop him. We'll skip down through here. We're not going to spend a whole go through every verse. I don't think, but and and I'll bring it to your attention what I'm talking about. So, brother Dave, go ahead. Isaiah 13, verse one: the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Oh, but if you would, brother, that might that word burden. They may have people may have not have a good grasp on what that word burden means. It's not like toting around, you know, something on your back or or putting something on the back of a donkey. Um, brother, pull up that meaning in the Strongs and let them know what okay. that means. The, okay, burden means... Uh, the outline of biblical usage is load, bearing, tribute, burden, lifting, uh, a tribute, that which is carried or brought or borne. In the Strongs definition, a burden specifically tribute or abstract porterage, figuratively an utterance, chiefly a doom. Especially yep. a doom? Oh yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just agreeing with what he's okay. they're saying, brother. Right. Especially singing. Mental desire, burden, carry away, prophecy. They set song tribute. Quite a Varied meaning there. Oh yeah, and the and the way you know the meaning, the, all those variations of meaning is by the context of what we're going to read. See, right. So you can go ahead and and, and start reading. Okay. If you wanted to nail it down, it's a it's a revealing a prophecy of something that's going to happen. Somebody was so so called. They carried it, then they revealed it. It's the best way I know how to put it. But anyway, go ahead, brother. Which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for mine anger. Even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdom of nations gathered together. Okay. The Lord of hosts 
There you go. Let me explain. You see that word plural nations there? Do you see that we went through this many times in the past, folks? And I'll go ahead and re-mention it tonight because these new folks, like I say all the time, coming in here new. You want to find out about these mighty ones. They're gibberim, okay? They're giants. I used to put it in plain, simple terms. They're giants. They're, they're doing this bidding for the Lord. That didn't happen, okay? This is the reason they come up with the allegory, okay? And say, oh, it really happened, but the, this is just metaphorical or allegorical. Is that right? That's where you get in trouble. Could it be literal? Of course. If it, if the way of interpretation is let it be literal, unless the scriptures dictate kind of an impossibility for it to be literal. Okay. So go ahead, brother Dave. The Lord of Hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven. Even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Okay, that were those words, the day of the Lord, back when I first started teaching on the Internet, I brought it to your attention that when you see those words, the day of the Lord, okay, it's talking, it's, it's a period of time that's going to take place a little bit prior and on into and to the end of the time of Jacob's trouble. It's the wrath of the Lord on a sinful, unregenerate world and people. That's what it is. The day of the Lord's wrath is what it is. And when you see it through the Scriptures, any time you see something that prefaced by the day of the Lord, you know you're fixing to see something concerning God's wrath. So go ahead, Brother Dave. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another, their faces shall be as flames. Okay, now did any of that happen in what we went through <laughs> the other night? Not a single no. thing. And this is the burden of Babylon. It's got to do with Babylon in the very first verse. The first sentence at the top. That's the context of what we're reading. The burden Isaiah saw about Babylon. None of that stuff happened. Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 9. Behold. The day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And you know, for up to three days, there were some people inside the gates of Babylon, according to historians, that didn't even know that the city had been taken over. It was done so covertly. The only people that really got pancaked was Belshazzar and his immediate cadre, okay? They're the ones that caught the... They, they got put down big time like a dog. But not the people. Not the people. Okay? Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 10. For the stars of heaven 
and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. Punish what? The world? I thought it was about Babylon. See, now you, you should get a taste of where I'm going with this now. You're going to get a taste of dual fulfillment, and you're going to get a, you're going to understand what I've been preaching to a lot of to a lot of you folks out there. All right, you new folks might not have heard it, but I'll say it one more time. Scripture does not have to be fulfilled at a specific time. It can have two or three fulfillments. It can have a partial fulfillment and then an ultimate fulfillment in the end. I've went through examples over and over and over again in the past. This is a prime example of that. Go ahead, brother. Keep on reading. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Do you guys remember when we were in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 17 and Luke 21 when the Lord talked about if he didn't, if, if the time wasn't cut short, there'd be no flesh left? But he cut it short. He's going to cut it short. It's done in the, in the annals of prophecy. He's going to cut it short. And there's only going to be a few folks left. That's exactly what it, that's the emanations of that verse he just read. That's at the end, at the end. It didn't happen in 539 B.C. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Verse 13. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place. Okay, is that just flowery language? See, this is what they'll tell you. A lot of the scholastic Coke-drinking office-sitting scholars would try to tell you it's allegorical and it's just flowery language. They would make you think that the Holy Spirit and the pen, the, the penner of Isaiah, just had to fill up space in a piece of, on a piece of paper. That's what they, they. If you listen to them, that's what they'll make you think. And they are, they're filled with infidelity and unbelief. Continue, brother Dave. In the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the day of His fierce anger, and it shall be as the chaste roe. And as a sheep that no man taketh up, they shall every man turn to his own people and flee every one into his own land. Every one that is found shall be thrust through, and every one that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. And like I said, or like I said just a few minutes ago, if in some cases people inside there, and there was about a million. The residence was about a million. Talking about a big city. It was a big one. They didn't even know anything happened for about three days, up to three days. They didn't even know they'd been taken over. Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 16. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. 
Their bowels also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eyes shall not spare children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, do you guys remember how God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah? That's another one of those things that everybody knows about. Did that happen in 539 B.C.? No, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And uh, those guys were certainly all excited about the silver and gold. (laughs) Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. Read the last couple verses, brother. Yes, verse 19. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Oh, my goodness. Folks, that is just a Is God telling the truth, or is he just, like I said, is he just flowery language? Folks, there's been people living in that immediate area, even up till the early part of the 20th century, when that German archaeologist went in there, there was five villages right there when he went in to excavate the, 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 the old part of Babylon that had declined over the millennia. So the, the, there was people living there. It says here there's nobody ever going to live there forever and ever. This, and and uh, Jeremiah, when we get over there, he's going to add something to this and make it more... Um, you know, dramatic. But there were there's people there's been people living there since five thirty nine. My goodness. Uh when I, when Cyrus came in they made it the second capital. With that it was a coalition force of media of the of media and Persia. And when Cyrus finally came in there about two or three weeks after the other guy came in first, he made it was the second um, the, the second capital of Persia. And Alexander the Great came in, did the same thing. Well, it says here, when it's destroyed, it's never going to be lived in ever again. Didn't happen, folks. Did not, did not happen yet. Go ahead, Brother Dave, and then we'll go to uh, Jeremiah. Okay. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures. And owls shall dwell there, and batters. Nope, didn't happen. Ain't happened yet. Saddam Hussein went in there and for about 10 years or 20 years built that place up, going to rebuild everything back in the 90s. You remember that, Brother Dave? Yes. Mm-hmm. He was so, going to rebuild it all. That's right. Well, there's coming a time when it that's exa- this these scriptures are going to be literally fulfilled. It was only partially fulfilled. The first fulfillment was the head that got, that golden head that Nebuchadnezzar saw. It had to change hands to the silver, which is Media Persia, and it that ha- that part happened. But all this other stuff that it talks about is for a later date. Jeremiah chapter 50, brother, brother uh, Chad, 
go ahead and start reading. Brother Dave, if you have anything you want to add, feel free to do it, okay? Okay. Go ahead, Brother Chad. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 1. The word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare ye among the nations, and publish, and set up a standard. Publish and conceal not. Say, Babylon is taken. Bel is confounded. Merodach is broken in pieces. Her idols are confounded. Her images are broken in pieces. For out of the north there cometh up a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. They shall remove, they shall depart, both man and beast. In those days, and in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping. They shall go and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come, and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. Okay. It says that the children of Israel and the children of Judah are going to come weeping. Well, that's not what happened. Cyrus is the one. You find out in Ezra, in the book of Ezra, Cyrus was the one after he had been shown he had a moment with the Lord because the Lord said later on in Isaiah, that may be in chapter 40 and 45, Brother Dave. I believe that's the reason I mentioned it the other night. You're right, Brother. I did mention it, okay? Go ahead and turn to chapter 44, and we'll read the last two verses in 44 and the first few verses in, in, chapter, um, in chapter 45, okay? Okay. Go ahead and turn there. But this, and Cyrus is the one that had the moment when he was shown what the Lord had done written a hundred years earlier about him being the one that was going to come in and take Babylon. There was, he's the one that allowed that to happen. And Israel and Judah were not together when this took place. Mm. There, was a, there was all the ten northern tribes that had been scattered. See? Oh, yes. That's right. So, then, no, there's no way they can hem all around it. It has not been fulfilled yet. Continue on, Brother Chad. Okay. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All that found them have devoured them, and their adversaries say, We offend not, because they have sinned against the Lord, the habitation of justice, even the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Remove out of the midst of Babylon, and go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be as the he-goats before the flocks. For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north. Uh, there you go. Nations again, plural. Nations again, plural. Go ahead, brother. And they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken. Their arrows shall be as of a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. No recorded history where that took place. Mm. Not one bit of history recorded where that took place from Cyrus. None. 
Go on, brother. Keep on. And Chaldea shall be a spoil. All that spoil her shall be satisfied, saith the Lord. Because ye were glad, because ye rejoiced, O ye destroyers of mine heritage, because ye are grown fat as the heifer at grass, and bellow as bulls, your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Because of the wrath of the Lord, it shall not be inhabited, but it shall be wholly desolate. Everyone that goeth by Babylon shall be astonished and hiss at all her plagues. Put yourselves in array against Babylon round about. All ye that bend the bow, shoot at her. Spare no arrows, for she hath sinned against the Lord. Shout against her round about. She hath given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. For it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her, as she hath done. Do unto her. Cut Amen. off Anybody that's familiar with Revelation chapter 17 and 18 already recognizing this language because this is the language out of Jeremiah, a little bit out of Isaiah, and out of Jeremiah 50 and 51 that makes up three quarters of Revelation chapter 17 and 18 dealing with mystery Babylon. And let me stop, let's stop right here for just a second and let me make a point to you folks out there. You can go all the way. I, may, I stop every now and then, and I make this, this statement about the, the whole Bible. Okay? And I'm going to make one right now. So I want you to listen to me. You want the, you want the Bible, you want to write down a, you an outline and, and uh, to where you can, when you're going through the Bible to put things in perspective, I'll tell you. I'll show you. It's real simple. In the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, this is what you run across. Not only are there two seed lines, there's two cities, okay? You've got Babel or Babylon, and then at a later date, you have Jerusalem. Then in, over in the New Testament, later on, you have mystery Babylon, and you have New Jerusalem that show up. Though there are two cities, one earthly, the other one is a mystery. Then you have the earthly Jerusalem, and you have the new Jerusalem. They're both literal, but one's heavenly, and the other one, but one's heavenly, and the other was literal and was destroyed in 70 A.D. So, and Babylon, and let me add something to that. There's actually a threefold meaning as you're going through Scripture. Not only will you have Babel and Babylon and mystery Babylon, when you run across the word Shinar, it'll have something to do with Babylon practically every time. That plays out specifically in Zechariah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. You, you'll pick up on that. That's one, of the most strang- that's one of the strangest chapters in the whole Word of God because Zechariah makes those statements, that sees that vision, and then just don't give any explanation for it at all. Leaves it for conjecture. The Lord does that a lot in his book. 
I've taken you and shown you some places in the past. But not only will it be, it'll be Babylon, Mystery Babylon, and you throw in Shinar, a third element. It's used about five or six times, that word Shinar, in the Scriptures. Okay? You got New Jerusalem, you got Jerusalem, earthly Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, and then you got Zion, that word well, that'll be connected with New Jerusalem, Zion. It's also connected with literal, the, the old Israel, or Jerusalem. That word Zion, New Jerusalem, and Jerusalem. Those are the words you can write them, and, when, and you just, the whole Bible's about those things. That's all. It's about, that's what it basically boils down to. It showed up, it's just like, it's not, it's not, it's not, can, it's not able, it's Seth, folks. It's not, it's not able, Abel gets killed. It's Seth, the one the line goes through, okay? Then you find, then as you get to, it's not Noah, it's Abraham. Abraham gets called out for the everlasting covenant, okay? And then when you break it off into his sons, it's not Ishmael, it's Isaac. It's the second one. It's not Esau, it's Jacob, okay? It's not Lucifer and Satan, the cherub, it's the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. When you study the Scriptures and keep these things in mind, things become a lot clearer, folks. Just laying, just, I'm just telling you. If you get that in your mind, if, you, if you're really a serious student of the book, there's treasures in this book, folks, that no, the Lord hasn't showed anybody and probably got them waiting for you. If you just break open these pages and spend some time in it. Some folks out there would have you believe that there's nothing, everybody knows everything there is to know about this book. I'm here to tell you now, that's one of the biggest lies ever hatched out of hell. Continue reading, brother. Jeremiah 50, verse 16. Cut off the sword from Babylon and him that handleth the sickle in the time of the harvest. For fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people, and they shall flee everyone to his own land. There's a, there's another, that, that was quoted in Isaiah 13. Continue on, yeah. brother. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, hath broken his bones. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land as I have punished the king of Assyria. And I will bring Israel again to his habitation, and he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan, and his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. Okay, there's your remnant, and there's your explanation of Paul's comment 
in Romans chapter 11 about all Israel being saved after the time of the Gentiles. And it's also the explanation of every seed of Israel shall be justified in Isaiah 45, 25. That's, that's the explanation. What he just said. He's going, man, he, Jeremiah is going from past to way in the future to middle ways. He's everywhere. And prophetically speaking, folks, historically speaking and prophetically speaking. Continue on, brother. Go up against the land of Merathiam, even against it, and against the inhabitants of Pecod. Waste and utterly destroy after them, saith the Lord, and do according to all that I have commanded thee. A sound of battle is in the land, and of great destruction. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? How is Babylon become a desolation among the nations? Those aren't questions. It's interesting. Okay. Let me no, speak. I mean, that, that's, right out, that's right out of Revelation, chapter 17 yeah. and 18. Yeah. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? How is Babylon become a desolation among the nations? Mm-hmm. I have laid a snare for thee, and thou art also taken, O Babylon, and thou wast not aware. Thou art found and also caught, because thou hast striven against the Lord. The Lord hath opened his armory and hath brought forth the weapons of his indignation. For this is the work of the Lord God of hosts in the land of the Chaldeans. Come against her from the utmost border. Open her storehouses. Cast her up as heaps and destroy her utterly. Let nothing of her be left. Slay all her boys. Let nothing of her be left. I think you folks are are getting the gist of what we're talking about. There's no doubt there's a difference. The the ones that's that's set in stone, the the people, the allegorical folks, this is not for you. I know what you're going to say. It ain't for you. This is for Bible-believing Christians. This is not for Bible-denying in your imagination, thinking you know what it's talking about, okay? Because that's what allegory winds up being, for the most part. Is well, I want it to mean this, so that's what it really means. Not quite. Not quite. So, so, so Pastor John, are they saying that when Darius came in and created that, um, basically some sort of insurrection? Like you said, they didn't even know. He just killed Belshazzar and took over. Yeah. They're they're trying to claim that this this is what that is. Yes, that's what they say, brother. I mean, I'm, it, this that's the majority. I hate to use this word. That's the majority view. That all of this is allegorical, and all all it, it, everything took place in five thirty nine B.C. That's impossible. Well, like I know you. I know it is, brother. They don't never lose that thought. Okay, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's impossible. Okay, well, I and, and the people in our persuasion are the are the ones that take that position. That's my bottom line point, folks. That's one of the bottom line points I wanted to let you know, and I'm showing you how that's it's absolutely it's impossible. They're wrong. Ninety nine point nine percent of our persuasion take that view. That it's that it was fulfilled in five thirty nine. 
Um, will somebody say something? Brother Kevin, yeah, is that you? I was going to say something. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Um, uh, in Jeremiah 50, verse 6, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountains to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Well, right there you can see that it's speaking of of not just this time of Israel, but also to the time of them being lost to sheep. And their shepherds have caused them to go astray bringing them false doctrine, false teaching, and there has been the degeneration of the people of Israel, going from the first and foremost of the nations, the mountain, and now they are going down to just a hill. They have degenerated. They have forgotten their resting place, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Savior of Israel. They have forgotten him. But then we see the fulfillment of it all in verse 20. In those days and that, and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none, and the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. So you can see from verse 6, all of a sudden he jumps down to, to verse 20 and says, oh, now they found their resting place, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they're back home. <laughs> yep. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. That's a, that's good. Good stuff. Go ahead, brother Chad. Okay. Uh, oh, let me let me make this statement. I, I watched, uh, one of the brothers sent me a video about Babylon. It was a mainstream video off of Discovery Channel, and I watched that sucker, and I've never been so sick at my stomach listening to the lies. And people will watch that, and they will believe this. I mean, and it was eloquently put together. And, oh, if, if you listen to what they say with no proof, not just, just some eloquent speaker, you, you, you'd buy into it if you didn't know the Word of God and you didn't know real things that had happened in history. But it made me sick. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I think you're so right, uh, Pastor Don. Is This is the first time me learning it, so to me it seems very obvious. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, 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 Israel and, and Judah were separated in, well, around 720 B.C., somewhere around about there. This is 539, verse 4. doesn't make sense. But if I didn't know that, then I guess I might be easily deceived, I suppose. Of course, brother, of course. And Not and to mention all the, all the, the imagery just hasn't happened. Anyways, uh, uh, verse 27? Now, just a second. Well, now yeah. I, lost, I forgot what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, now I know. That, that's that, absolutely true, brother, but that's what you got out there. You've got a people that, know, that are absolutely, absolutely Laodicean from the word go. I mean, everything has been handed to us on a silver platter, okay? And a lot of that on a silver platter is horse dung, all right? A lot of the stuff that's put forth as fact is no more fact. It's just like all you see, Hitler, 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 Hitler. That's all you hear. He's been demonized for 60-something years now. The German people have been demonized for 60-some years. And then you get a breath of fresh air like Firestorm. All right, what's that the name of it, Dave? Hellstorm. Hellstorm. 
that's re- that is the truth, and it's such a blessing. Everybody ought to go watch that over and over again, okay, where you can get a taste of some reality. Because everything is, why do they keep on demonizing the Germans, and, and the, why do they keep on doing that? They've got. They've even sucked in real Bible-believing Christians into being deceived about it. It, it. I mean, that's not deceived about other stuff. They're deceived about that. Have you noticed that, Brother Dave? Oh, absolutely. And the greatest story never told uh, is, is about the life story of Hitler and Germany during the war. I mean, a total different man that's conveyed by this so-called public fool system the Jewish movies in Hollywood. Yes. It's a perversion of the truth. We were deceived and went into the war. We destroyed God's brethren, the Lord Jesus Christ's brethren, our brethren. We sinned against God in heaven, shed innocent blood. It is on the land. God isn't forgetting or forgiving until we repent of it. If you think that there won't be curses coming on the land because of this innocent blood, people are greatly deceived. And yes, this is the end, that they should be deceived by the enemy and not repent. And then the end will come, and this, this judgment we've been talking about of the, the time of Jacob's trouble will be fully justified. And this is one of the big things, but there are many others, as you have often said, Pastor Don. Yeah, amen, brother. That, that's an excellent point. And, folks, the thing that you can pull anybody. I'm talking about a, well, a well-learned person that actually knows the Word of God very well. And you can, you, all you have to do is say, the most wickedest person in the world. You know what the first word comes to their, the first thing comes to their mind? Hitler. That's the first, because why does it do that? I've listened to him on the radio. I've listened to him teaching other stuff, and, and I love some of the stuff that they teach because it's excellent. But then when, that, when they're, they're going to use an example for wickedness, they immediately go to Hitler. And it just make, it makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. It does. It, it's so sickening. And it's like 99.9% of all so-called truthers and patriots and even among the Christian community do that same arrogant, foolish sin over and over and over and over. Amen, brother. Absolutely. And then, like I said, it just makes me want to puke. It, it, it does. My dad, <laughs> my dad fought in World War II. But my dad, he eventually said Hitler was right. Amen. That's what my dad, that's what my dad that fought. And General George Patton agreed with him. Yes, absolutely. My dad loved Patton, by the way. He sure did. And he said we defeated the wrong people. That's exactly right. We should have right. been fighting the Russians. That's right. The Russians. Stalin. Stalin. Yes. That should be the first word that comes to your mind when you think of an evil person in the last years. Yes. Stalin. That's exactly right. That was one wicked demon possessed person. He killed more Christians, and he's a, he's he's one of the he's the, that whole Hitler thing. That is the cornerstone of the whole foundation of the Babylon lie. That is the Jewish conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. I know, brother. I know it, it's just ridiculous. Like who came in? Who came in and said, "Okay, here's what happened in Auschwitz." The Russian Jews. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that told the story, and then multiple times, multiple times in 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 the hog. There, 
they had to change the story because oh well maybe there weren't any ovens in there uh but they you know we changed we changed it afterwards we we tore down the walls and, and changed it afterwards so it didn't look so bad or something yeah but, the, tr- the truth is out there for anybody that wants to take the time to look is. at it it is it sure is drop down to verse mm-hmm. 39 brother okay verse 39 jeremiah 50 Therefore, the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the islands shall dwell there, and the owls shall dwell with their, uh, therein, and it shall be no more inhabited forever. Neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. There you go. There's a, just like Isaiah said, the same thing, and like I told you earlier, and not only did Cyrus and, and Alexander the Great make something out of Babylon during its declining years. It was declining. People wonder why it's under. it was under sand in the early part of the 20th century, and that guy found it. If you don't, that, there was villages all around. There was villages all around it, but you don't inhabit some. You don't keep it up. What happens? If you don't take the maintenance part of it, what happens? Anybody know? Knows, anybody's been down south and see how the maintenance is? They quit doing maintenance like they used to do on our roads and stuff. Understand? They go to hell in a handbasket. Weathering will will decline anything. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, folks. It's just not true. Okay. Bottom line, it's just not true. This prophecy was not completely fulfilled in 539 B.C. End of story. It just wasn't. And earlier, you heard me make mentions about Cyrus. Go and read the last chapters of uh, the last part of uh, Isaiah 44, Brother Dave, the last two verses on into chapter 45. Uh, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 27. That saith to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers. That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Okay, right there. Starts in 27, talks about waters being dried up. You know how they got in the city? They lowered the water level. Then in, then in they came, all right? And then through the edict of Cyrus, they, got, they went back to Jerusalem. Thou shalt be built. Continue on, Brother Dave. Okay, verse, chapter 45, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Um, I, I looked this up because I remember you you mentioned it that this was 150 years before it happened, and yeah. he named the man who would do it Cyrus. Right, absolutely. And absolutely. it's interesting he he called them his anointed. This is folks. This if you're gonna if you do like I said if you do any studying in your widespread in your with your study material and you just don't hone in on. Everybody that agrees with you, see that? Well, I better not say that right now. But you just, uh, you, you, if you're a studier, you're going to run across folks that don't agree with you. Let me just put it this way, all right? I mean, you're going to run across some that, some that just disagree a little bit and some, some that's outright heretics, okay? I warned, I warned you about another night, and I'll probably do it again before this program's over. 
All right? You just will. You definitely will. But the ones that come against what I'm trying to show you right here about uh, the not being fulfilled in, in 539 B.C. and what Brother Dave just told you about this being uh, written down 100, 150 years before it took place, they love when they see these specific prophecies that can that did come true, the part that did come true, every time it comes across like they'll they'll immediately say, It's a late date. It's a late date. Somebody wrote it and put it in there. It can't be true. It's infidelity, folks. It's it's unbelief in God's word is what it is. And so called quote unquote Christianity is full of them. And not only Judeo Christians but people in the Anglo-Israel truth as well. It is, you talking about unbelief. It is rampant. If they can't make it fit into their paradigm, they'll change it in a millisecond. Rest assured. And I could just go pull different clips out of about five or six teachers and show you what I'm talking about, but I, I'm not that, that wicked. I, there's still hope. As <laughs> long as they're breathing, there's still hope for repentance. Anyway, Brother Chad, slip over to chapter 51, and let's go down through there a little bit, and then, we'll, then we're going to go to Revelation 17. Brother Dave, you can go ahead and turn to Revelation 17. Okay. Okay, uh, from verse 1? Yeah, just start verse 1. Okay, Jeremiah 51. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up against Babylon and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me a destroying wind and will send unto Babylon fanners that shall fan her and shall empty her land. For in the day of trouble they shall be against her round about. Against him that bendeth let the archer bend his bow and against him that lifteth himself up in his brigandine, brigandine, and spare ye not her young men, destroy ye utterly all her host. Thus the slain shall fall in the land of the Chaldeans, and they that are thrust through in her streets. For Israel hath not been forsaken, nor Judah of his God, of the Lord of hosts though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. Flee out of the Wait, 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 stop. Just say, I can't let that go by. Whose land was filled with sin? (laughs) The Holy One of Israel. Ah. When is that? I wonder when that was this part. There was nobody. Israel had been taken captive. They'd been in captivity for 70 years. Who, what are you talking about? The holy land is, is full of sin. Read that verse again, brother. For Israel hath not been forsaken, nor Judah of his God, of the Lord of hosts, though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. Though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. Um, well, continue on, brother. Flee out of the midst of... Flee out of the midst of Babylon and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. Now, I wonder that they flee out of her. And we're going to see in Revelation the same terminology 
when he's talking about mystery Babylon. He'll come out from her, my people, my people. Be be not partakers is what he's going to tell us in Revelation. Flee out of Babylon. Well, you can't. How do you know to flee out of something when it's it's taken over secretly? But anyway, continue on, brother. Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hands that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine, therefore the nations are mad. As New Testament language, that's very important. The, the nations are mad. They've drank of her fornication. We'll deal with that in just a few minutes when we get over there. Go ahead, brother. Keep on. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. Howl for her. Take balm for her pain. If so be, she may be healed. Oh, she may be healed, destroyed. She was not destroyed in 539 B.C. was not destroyed. That's la- I'm going to try not to say that again. I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm doing it for a reason. I'm, there is a reason I'm beating that horse. Continue on, brother. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her, and let us go everyone into his own country. For her judgment reacheth unto heaven, and is lifted up even to the skies. The Lord hath brought forth our righteousness. Come, and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Make bright the arrows, gather the shields. The Lord hath raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. For his device is against Babylon to destroy it, because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of his temple. Set up the standard upon the walls of Babylon. Make the watch strong. Set up the watchmen, prepare the ambushes, for the Lord hath both devised and done that which he spake against the inhabitants of Babylon. Drop down to verse 32, brother. Verse 32. And that the passages are stopped, and the reeds they have burned with fire, and the men of war are affrighted. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor. It is time to thresh her, yet a little while, and the time of her harvest shall come. Y'all keep that in the back of your mind, verse 32, the daughter of Babylon, see. Mm. Shifted, yeah, the daughter of Babylon, verse 34, brother. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, hath devoured me. He hath crushed me. He hath made me an empty vessel. He hath swallowed me up like a dragon. He hath filled his belly with my delicates. He hath cast me out. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon. Shall the inhabitant of Zion say? And my blood upon the inhabitants of Chaldea shall Jerusalem say. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will plead thy cause and take vengeance for thee, and I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. And Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for dragons and astonishment and an hissing without an inhabitant. They shall roar together like lions. They shall yell as lions whelps. In their heat I will make their feasts 
and I will make them drunken that they may rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, saith the Lord. I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams with he-goats. How is, she- how is Shishak taken? And how is the praise of the whole earth surprised? How has Babylon become an astonishment among the nations? The sea has come up okay, upon Stop Babylon. right there just a second, yeah. brother. This word Shishak in Jeremiah chapter 25 when it get in, we went through it, I think, one other time. When you come down through Jeremiah 25, it covers every nation, the destruction of every nation, not only in the past, but also in the future as well. And a lot of people miss that. And Shishak is the very last one. And, that's where, and it pops up right here. Jeremiah is using it again, talking about Babylon. Go ahead, brother. Mm. I'm just going to reread that, 41. How is Shishak taken? And how is the praise of the whole earth surprised? How is Babylon become an astonishment among the nations? The sea has come up upon Babylon. She is covered with the multitude of the waves thereof. Her cities are a desolation, a dry land, and a wilderness, a land wherein no man dwelleth. Neither the land, the land where no man dwells. Well, that's 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 just not that at this present time, people dwell there. It's just not right. It, it it's either going to be fulfilled or the scriptures are wrong, and we know that's not true. So I, I just anyway, drop on down, read the last three verses, um, and we're going to re- go ahead, brother Dave. I just looked up the word Shishak, and it's another name for Babylon. Yes, apparently taken from the goddess Shak. Uh huh. Yeah, I just thought I'd add that. That's good. That's good. Excellent. We're talking brother. about Babylon. Absolutely excellent. Read from verse sixty onward, brother. Verse sixty. So Jeremiah wrote in a book all the evil that should come upon Babylon, even all these words that are written against Babylon. And Jeremiah said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Read that verse again. Listen whoa, to what it right says. Here. For all the allegorizers out there, and for the uh, and for the." Uh, Discovery Channel, History Channel, documentary folks. <laughs> Read that verse again. Jeremiah fifty-one sixty. So Jeremiah wrote in a book all the evil that should come upon Babylon, even all these words that are written against Babylon. Is that some of the words, or does it say all the words? It says even all these words. Thank you, brother. Continue on. And Jeremiah said to Sariah, When thou comest to Babylon, and shalt see, and shalt read all these words, then shalt thou say, O Lord, thou hast spoken against this place, to cut it off, that none shall remain in it, neither man nor beast, but that it shall be desolate forever. Wow. Forever. Have some strong that day. I see. Put yourself in the position of those folks that 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 believe about this is the put yourself. If you were an allegorizer, some of you are. See, some of you downloaders are. How in the world could you get by? How how could you possibly be that way? I know why. I know why. Continue on, brother. And it shall be. When thou hast made an end of reading this book, that thou 
shalt bind a stone to it, and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates. And thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be wary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Amen. Amen. In Revelation chapter 17. Now, folks, we're, we're going to see what in the world is mystery Babylon. What's it got to do with this? What's it got to do with what we just got through going through? Because, like I said earlier, Babylon, Babel and Babylon, okay? And Jerusalem and New Jerusalem, they are part of the Word of God from the get-go to the end. That's why it pops up because it was the head of gold. It was that's how that's how awesome and wide-reaching the prophecy of Daniel two is. It covers it covers the national histories from Babel all the way through to the end to the very last and the ten-toed kingdom to the very last. That's why it's important. And people will get on. They'll start. Stu- they'll start studying about um, Babylon, and they'll stay this way and stay that way. But when it take the other city, Jerusalem, and start studying it, all of a sudden, the Judeo Christian's mind goes blank. They won't apply the same principle to the to Jerusalem as they applied to Babylon. Because it's mostly Judeo Christians that actually are literalists, biblical literalists. See, that's why I have such a falling out amongst our persuasion. Because at least, for the most part, they're Bible believers. I can't help it; they're deceived in some places. We may be deceived in some places as well. So, you get judged with the same judgment you made out. Brother Dave, kick her off. Yes, Revelations chapter 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon. Seven, seven hills. Okay, folks. Many waters. Yeah, many waters. Before he gets down in here, let me say this. Absolutely. This, I mean, Mystery Babylon takes on a whole genre, different genre. She takes on a political arm, a, an ecclesiastical arm, and a financial arm that's worldwide, that covers worldwide. If you pay close attention, you're going to see when it talks about merchants, you did start. I forget the other two. But there's going to be three folks that see the fall, that stand afar off. It's going to be, I think it's the shipmasters, the merchants, and somebody else. I forget. But there's three. There's three classes there. That gives you a hint of what it's talking about. This is going to. It's, this is political. It's religious, and also there is a certain element of the power part of it. The, the I, I call it the military arm. So if you if you take it like that, if it is like I'm saying, I said if, if it is, so because some of this is, I have to admit, some of this is conjecture. All right, 
spiritual conjecture, though, with the knowledge of the Word of God. A financial arm, an ecclesiastical or religious arm, and a military arm. That's usually the way you define a nation, isn't it, Brother Dave, Brother Chad? Yes. It has a financial power. It's a financial core. It has a religious core, and it also has a military core, or it wouldn't be a nation, right? Amen. Amen. So we have to look at this, and we know that it's going to be world. This the final powers will be all encompassing, all encompassing. In other words, a world government. So. Just think about that as we go down through here. Go ahead, Brother Dave. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Kings are the other one in that list of three, I was thinking. It's kings, merchants, and shipmasters, I think. Go ahead, Brother. What This is a, a question I always wondered a bit about, and that is, what is wine of fornication, of her fornication? Wine of her fornication. It's It's got to do with a deception. It's got to do with a, a, a way of thinking. Because mm-hmm. it, it's a spiritual fornication. It's not a literal fornication. It's a, it's more of a spiritual fornication. Mm-hmm. It could be both, right? Oh, yeah, definitely could be both. It, that, that, that possibility always remains. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, by her fruits, you would judge her, right? So the fornication is is the are the grapes, yeah, right. So they're drunk with the wine of the fruit of the fornication. It's like you say, spiritual. Yeah, but Perhaps. it could be literal. It could be it could have a literal connotation as well. Yeah, yeah. Three, I, I think it has both, but. I was just wondering about that wine. It, maybe it goes back to that imaginations and the conception and, of evil and this uh, fornication being evil, it conceives a sort of mental mindset. Is that what you're referring to, where you feel elated or you feel justified, you feel satisfied in your fornications because your heart is so evil that what you thought was once Evil has now become good. Oh, sure. That's absolutely correct because you can, all you have to do is think what does intoxicating beverage do to somebody? Yes. Mm -hmm. Makes you elated. That's right. It makes you elated. It makes you let your guards down. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason the word wine is there Mm -hmm. and the word drunk. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Amen. Verse okay, three. verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. There, any time, say, let me give a, a good example of this fornication he's talking about here. Anytime you have a certain standard of rules and you start um, compromising the original standard and rules to allow something in, 
compromising to let let something in that doesn't go along with that the 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 first set of rules and the foundational truths and you let somebody come in and join the the group or so to speak just for the sake of, of for uh, ulterior motives that's the same, that's the whoredom it's talking about that's the catholic church that's like adopting their idols when the word of god is plain about idols i'm talking about the real idol like a stone or like a stone or a wood carving or something like that when you what all the catholic church did because there's no doubt catholicism is the is the religious ecclesiastical arm of what it's talking about there is no doubt you can't find nobody else. You can't find another. You at this present time. Let me let me state that, brother Kevin. At this present time, if there's another 150 years ago, who knows what can happen? I'm talking about at this present time, and it's been this way since early church history, since 325 A.D. And there's no greater preacher of spiritual and physical fornication than the Catholic Universalist Church. That's right. I shouldn't even use the word church. I God, know. That it's kind of, it sure is a bad. It's bad. <laughs> and something on that matter, actually today, Pastor Don, I was thinking about, I was actually, I was reading this, and I was thinking uh, about this, and now that you mention it in this way, the fornication of of letting something in that, that uh, not really is supposed to be there, and it's kind of perverting the whole system, I was thinking of the... Federal Reserve Bank, and then watching the um, um, all wars are bankers' wars, and how they manipulated their way into the system of the republic that you live in down there. Yeah, that's right. Amen, brother. Amen. I mean, this this for you can you can take you can use this type of fornication in your own life. You can this like it's like I said. Once the ground set foundational rules are, you drop the if you drop down the guards to allow something in for a different motive and go against what original originally was true. That's spiritual fornication. That's whoredom. That's selling out. That's selling out to get gain. They're selling off of something that's precious to get to for an ulterior motive and for gain. I understand spiritual fornication. I'm not putting it in the right words, probably, but I understand it completely, and I, because that's exactly what happened. That's what happened with the with the mainstream quote unquote church. That's what happened. It originally started good to a certain, and it turned wicked in a hurry, big time. And Catholicism, as far as that goes, there's some wonderful people. That are that are, st- are still in that mess. Some wonderful people. This has I'm not when I make these bad comments about the the old pot-bellied liquor head, you know, the old whore. I'm not talking about the people in it. Okay, I'm talking about the ecclesiastical hierarchy. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly what I'm talking about. So anyway, continue on. But uh, many of those good people are also involved in the fornication, although they're not aware of it. Correct. Yes, absolutely right, brother. Absolutely right. Like the cannibalism of the of the Eucharist, okay? <laughs> and worshiping the Virgin Mary. That's right. That's Isis. Right. Yes. And every and bit of it, every bit of it goes right back to where we just come from, Babel, Babylon. Every bit of it. 
mother mother worship, all that stuff. I've told y'all before about the, the the two Babylons, Alexander Hislop, the worship of Nimrod and Semiramis. Yes, that's all. It's, that's all it is, folks. It's just putting it's putting a, putting a cloak of of self-made righteousness over them, and underneath it's it's black and dark and wicked as hell. Period. Continue, brother Dave. And speaking of that, here it comes in verse five. And upon her forehead was a name written. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Absolutely, with 106 billion, 106 billion members, it's the it's the strongest ecclesiastical bunch on this earth, big time. And I, the reason I put the caveat in uh, a while ago about for right now. And has been since the Reformation and since on back in early church history. It's been Catholicism, okay? But hey, the Lord's liable to pull a good one on us, and things could change in 150 years. I don't think so, but anyway, go ahead, brother. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. There's you another idea about wine and the drunk that she was drunk on wine of what the blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood of the saints. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Everybody think of wine. The the juice of wine is considered the blood of the what grape. The blood of the grape. Now I'm not going to go back and try to tell you that the literal tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a vine tree, even though I have before, and it probably was. And you find that out in Ezekiel. You find out the definition of a vine tree and some of the things we went back when I first started teaching, I think, and dealt with that a little bit, but I'm not going to go into it tonight. Keep on, brother. Verse 7, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Okay. This is the beast that was. You see, the woman's on the beast. She's on this beast. They're not all the same thing. you got different entities going on here and right up above there it was talking about seven ten and seven king seven uh, ten kings that's the that goes all the way back to daniel too and that ten-toed kingdom very last kingdom set up but this woman is riding the beast she's riding this that came ascended out of the bottomless pit go ahead brother and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. It's interesting also that there are those who have been predetermined, predestined to not be in the book of life from the foundation of the world. That's absolutely correct, brother. That's we've made this point many, many times mm. that they there won't there won't notice the one that marvels. The ones that are are 
elated about what's going on are not the true elect. It's the rest of the world. In chapter 11, earlier it said, it tells you that they that this beast deceives the whole world except the remnant. They're not mar- they're not awed by what's going on. Everything up to this point that's happened in in, in Christianity and um, amongst everybody in the so-called quote unquote world Everything that's gone on that's been run by the adversary, the God of this world, has been leading up to a certain culmination. So what is it that's been so so through church let me slow down, I'm gonna get ahead of myself. So through church history, you've got different periods of time, like when we're in, we're going through revelations, like I mentioned, those seven churches, and how it has a it it, it points towards seven different periods in the last 2,000 years. Well, at the end, at the very last, the Lord warns you in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, about these people that's going to come and show signs and wonders. And all this great delusion that if it were possible, it would deceive even the very elect. That, Like that guy who prayed for the Muslims. Bingo. That's what I'm getting at, brother. You're spot on. So you've got to, you can't buy in to what the soap salesmen are selling out there, folks. You have something to hold on to. You have your answers in the book. You can't go on feelings. You can't go on imaginations. You've got to go on what the book says. There has to be a ruler. I say it ad nauseum, and I'll continue till I finally decide it's over, okay, or the Lord takes me home. You've got a standard. You have to keep the standard because once you start messing with the foundation and the standard, anything goes. A little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. You can't go with feelings. You can't go with supposed generated facts that the world is spewing. That's why you can't pay any attention to anything that comes over the media. It's controlled. That's not from a conspiracy theorist. That's a fact. There was uh, a well-known reporter in Germany who came out and quit and divulged that all news is fake news, is manufactured, and has agendas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the dumb suckers, bless their heart, that suck this stuff up, just that makes me want to cry. Folks, the government don't give you stuff because it loves you. It gives you stuff so it has collateral and 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 leverage over you or to control you or to spy on you. They have an agenda. There's a reason, me and Brother Kevin was talking about this morning, there's a reason they give out Obama phones and then give you the minutes to listen, to use every month. Duh, you think they're doing it because they love you? Do you think when they changed from analog TV to digital TV, they gave you the box for free of charge because they just love you? 
Are you that big of a fool? Oh, I know. Yeah, they're spying on me. Well, what are you still messing with it for? Ha. Continue on, brother. Verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. Yes, he does. And we, we back a year or two ago, we did a program on this son of perdition. And I and I showed you about Judas. How Judas, when he died, he didn't go, they didn't bury him. The Bible says he went to his own place. And he and he's he's called the son of perdition by the Lord Himself. So don't know what you can tie in there. I'm just tell, I'm just saying. Okay, he was he lived at one time, and he is not. He died. And he shall be, in other words, he's coming back. That's what it says. I didn't, but we just read it. <laughs> was he not also, uh, Pastor Don, was he not uh, possessed by Satan himself? Uh, it says Satan entered him. Yes. Yeah. Definitely does. And well, perdition means destruction, and that is one of the names of Satan, destruction. That's right. So, son of destruction, serpent seed. Amen. Amen. It all goes together, folks. It all goes together. Now, will will, uh, Satan use the same body? Will he use the same figure of Judas Iscariot? See, that is the $64 million question. Or will he use the body of Nimrod? Or will he use the body of Alexander the Great? Or will he use the body of Nebuchadnezzar? Or will he use the body of Judas? You know, the Lord said this. He said, I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. But if another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. That's, that, that's another throwaway. That's a kind of a throwaway verse, like Zechariah 5. He makes Noah before and after makes no comment about that little verse. What does he mean? It's in red letters. I mean, it, 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 the Lord said it. I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. But if another shall come in his own name, him you shall receive. Hmm. Don't know. Don't know. There's a lot of speculation about it. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. The elect. 
That's us, folks. That's us. Now, how are we going to fight the beast if we're not with the Lord? It says we're with him. It tells you in, in, in chapter 19 that we are arrayed in fine linen, which is the righteousness of saints. How do you got to go be with him to come back with him? See, that's why I took y'all not too many programs back and t- took you to the place where I think that catching away takes place. It's got to take place before the battle. Continue on, Brother Dave. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, thee shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Okay, you see that the waters... The scripture told you what the waters, it defined what the waters were. People. You didn't have to make up what you wanted those waters to be. The scripture told you what they were. (laughs) It was a metaphor for people. But the scripture gave you the answer. You didn't have to search into your imagination to come up with the answers, what I'm trying to say. Continue on, Brother Dave. And the ten horns, they are the ten kings, right? Absolutely. And they are the Nephilim or the the fallen angels. They are the ten kings that it talks about in Daniel chapter 2, that seed will not mix with the seed of man. Right, fallen angels, right? That's right, that's absolutely correct. And here again, we can say that this is physical and spiritual. Absolutely. He shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%, brother. Those fallen angels were known for being cannibals. They sure were. They sure were, brother. You're spot on. Excellent. Excellent. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Who's in control of these beasts, ultimately? Who's the one in control? Our Father. Absolutely. And he's just like I was telling you guys the other night about who's, uh, who's uh, eventually, he's the one that's in charge of everything that goes on. People don't like to hear that. They like to think they've got something to do with everything. He's He's the head of politics. And he's the head of Christianity. He's the head. He's the head of the people. He's he's got it all in control, folks. And he gave you a book to let you know what's going to happen. And he and he and he's give you a job to do to let to allow you put you in a position to gain rewards and certain different levels of inheritance. See, you got to put it in the right perspective and be about the Father's business. There's some things you can affect. And some things you can have an impact on. And then there's some things that you'll be spinning your wheels if you worry about. And the old natural man can't stand somebody that talks like I just got through talking. Pride enters in. Self-determination enters in. Well, I just told you where your self-determination plays its role. And I also told you where it plays no role at all. 
I didn't say it. I didn't write this book. The Spirit of God did. Okay, let's jump to chapter 18 and go down through there pretty quick. We've been on, how long we've been on, Brother Chad? Uh, looks like um hour forty five. Is that right? I did what, what y'all were talk, y'all talked on top of each other. I didn't hear you. Go ahead, brother Kevin. Hour and forty seven minutes. Okay, okay, yeah, we do need to speed it on up a little bit. So, and because I will go when we come to this in the book of Revelation, I will go through it a lot deeper. We'll we'll run the cross references back to Daniel and forward like Brother David was talking about a while ago, and I'll show you why for sure. Again, to the new listeners, why those ten kings are mixed breeding. It ain't got nothing to do with a mixed breed of some Ubangi. It's got to do with a mixed breed of something supernatural because one's human and one's not. Simple. End of story. <laughs> Go ahead, Brother Dave, chapter 18. Okay, and uh, one verse here in 17. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Okay, Babylon is, is definitely fell, and it's destroyed, and now you see how those prophecies come true. Because when this angel makes this statement, there's the cormorant and the bittern and these devils and all this stuff. Just like it said in Jeremiah and Isaiah. Continue on, brother. Verse three: For all nations have drunk of the wine of her of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. There's those and, three groups I was telling you. Go ahead, brother. Yes. And I heard another voice from heaven saying. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Okay. If it's a worldwide deal, okay, and it is, and it's deceived the whole world, like it says in Revelation 11, this whole deception part, all the stuff going on except for the elect. Now don't that don't first John chapter two mean a little bit more about when it talks about love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father's not in him. I mean I see you see if you obey that in first John when you got over here, you wouldn't have no problem. And God's still giving admonition right here. Come out from her, my people. So he's got a people. Telling that his people are in it. He's telling you to come out of it. And the old admonitions have been laid down in the epistles of John and Paul in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 of Romans, have been right there. For all his people to see, 
for all this time. And this is the culmination of not obeying what happens to this this world system. This is the reason a lot of people say John's talking about the world system. He's not only talking about the world system, which that's part of it. It's also, he breaks it down into divisions. You can't beat it with a beating machine unless you just want to deny the book. Now what? Now you can extrapolate that down. Well, what is he talking about? Oh, it is exactly what I've been screaming about for four years. Cut a little bit off at a time if you have to. Don't think you're going to wake up tomorrow and cut the whole thing off. Don't work that way usually. Especially if you're up in age. But you can show the motive and the, and the, the motive of the heart and cut away a little bit. Let the Lord see that. Showing me motives, right? I don't care how old you are. You can start doing away with some of those things of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye received not of her plagues. I said my people twice. That was the error. Uh, no, that's fine. I'm glad you said it twice. You should have okay. said it three times. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Verse 5. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. Coming out from among them, didn't John say in um, his second letter, was it chapter 2, that we should come out from her and not yes. partake of their evil deeds? Yes, brother, of course. Yes. That's the reason, I'm, that's the reason I'd put everybody's mind back to First John. Oh, First John, yes. Okay. Verse 6. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Sit a queen... I'm in no, and am no widow. Let me take this time to bring this point out to you Bible scholars out there. What is he talking about here? There's only one woman in the Scripture that is a widow that the Lord deals with. Do you folks know who it is? Israel? Yep. Bingo! Brother Chuck Baldwin is under... He's, he, he has come to the conclusion, Pastor Chuck Baldwin, that the main part of this mystery Babylon is Israel. The There's Jews, a few the mentions Jews. of the, the city that seem to me to be Jerusalem. Ah, yes. 
Remember what takes place back in 11 where our Lord was crucified? I brought that to your attention oh, yes. a dozen Autumn. times. Mm. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Brother Chuck Baldwin, he actually believes Mystery Babylon is Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Very possible. I'm just saying. Y'all think about it. Maybe the Lord because will show you some stuff. Who rules over the the kings of the earth? I was thinking, well, you know, the Pope kind of does, but I was thinking, hey, the Jews in Jerusalem, the the rich man of the Arab world. Remember I said there was a financial arm? Mm -hmm. The bankers. Three parts, that's right. A financial arm, an ecclesiastical arm, and a military arm. Remember I said that a while ago? Yes. I definitely believe that it has something to do with it. Definitely believe Jerusalem has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. My opinion. That's my opinion. I'm sure y'all got one, too. We studied it out. The Lord show you folks some stuff he ain't shown me or anybody else. If you'll just be diligent about studying, I'm sure he will. Your heart's right, and you, and you really want to know the truth out of his book. I didn't say out of what somebody else said. Sit out of his book, folks. Okay? Continue on, Brother Dave. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and shall... And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for fear of her torment saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory, and all manner vessels of most precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. Absolutely. That's what I've brought y'all's attention to many times in the past. There's slavery right now, and what is this souls of men? I'm just saying, folks. It's just not there just to be. It's not just there to fill up space. Who is messing with folks' souls? Who's selling souls? Apparently, the rich men of the earth have technology. I don't think it's refined enough yet, but they have it conceptually and are actually using it to some degree where they replicate a person's soul on a computer. All your mind, will, and emotions, the essence of your being, so that when they can find a new body for you or raise your old body or cure the disease that you died of or oh, yeah, some other yeah. thing download that soul i've heard about i've heard i've heard stuff along there mhm 
And let me take you to the, a reference of Scripture that has something to do with this. I don't know what it is, but I just know that they're tied together. Turn back to, Brother Chad, turn back to uh, Ezekiel chapter 13. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 13. Uh, let me go back there with you and find where it's at. I think it starts in verse 8. There's something about this, folks. They, 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 uh, all these people, I sold my soul to Satan. Really? Is it possible? People think, laugh at that stuff, see? I don't, well, know, I don't know if it's, you should laugh at it. Well, I wonder how many souls are, are locked up in those, those idols, like, like you, you've taught before, and how we talked about David Copperfield, how he has this huge collection of all this. You know, like how many dark magic types with billions, hundreds of millions of dollars are collecting these vessels that possibly have souls that right. Well, this 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 system, this city has been dealing in the souls of men. You know how many people go missing every year? Mm. Check check you folks check it out and are never heard from again. Go check it out. It'll blow your mind. David and Pilates. That's one. That's one good. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody needs to listen to him. But the, but the FBI. All you do is go to the FBI and look up in their records. They'll tell you every year, and then you take it back ten years. You folks, folks, I'm telling you, there's stuff going on out there beyond your comprehension. And once you realize that stuff's going on, then you can start understanding about the protection of the Lord. Why hadn't it been you? Why hadn't it been me? My God, I've been all across North America. Why hadn't it been me? Why why didn't my... I've been out... I'm a wilderness person. And I've also been a city person. Lived in a big city, San Francisco, Denver. Houston, Atlanta. Where does this stuff happen at? It's got to happen either in the country or in the city. One, hey, that's the two places it can happen, okay? But the Lord's protection, what, why has he protected you? Why are you able to be here tonight and listening to what's going on? Why didn't you have a heart attack today? Why didn't you... Have a wreck when you went to the store and get killed. Like a lot of people are happy and their kids are smiling, and boom, they're dead. Hit by another car. You see, when you start bringing this stuff down home and thinking and, and actually thinking who is in charge and how much the protection of the Lord is on his own, I said his own. you got all kinds of stuff to be thankful for, folks. That's why Paul says, in everything, give thanks. Everything. Your safety, your food, your pain, your suffering, your, your smiles, your, your laughter, everything. Why? Because that's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ezekiel 13, brother... Go down there, I think, start about verse 8, and I'll tell you if you're there. I ain't even got there myself yet. Right okay. Verse 8. 
Ezekiel 13, therefore thus doth the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. And mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord God. Because, even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Say unto them which daub it with untempered mortar, that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and, and ye, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, Where is the daubing wherewith ye have daubed it? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in mine anger, and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. Drop down to verse 17. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophecy out of their own heart, and prophecy thou against them. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the woman that sow pillows to all armholes, and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Oh, there he is. What's going on here? To hunt souls. Sow kerchiefs? What's going on? There's your reference of somebody hunting souls. Wonder what's going on there. Continue on. Say a little bit more about it. Will ye hunt the souls of my people? And will ye save the souls alive that come unto you? Verse 19. And will ye pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread? to slay the souls that should not die, and to save the souls alive that should not live, by your lying to my people that hear your lies? That's a heavy, heavy verse. Oh, yeah. Keep on. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against your pillows, wherewith ye there hunt the souls to make them fly. To make them what? To make them what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know what it says, brother. That's I'm just I'm just you know putting a little Amen. emphasis on it. Y'all remember the verse in Isaiah sixty verse six? Who are these that fly through the clouds? I'm telling you, folks. There's more in this book than you could ever find out in seventy, eighty years. This these souls is a real deal, causing them to fly. Hmm. And people that are involved in astral travel, they believe their soul leaves their body and they fly. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's many occasions where people haven't come back. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. They stuff, they stuff to this. But like, like, there's more going on. There's more going on that if we knew exact everything that was going on, the the depths of wickedness, that was going on, probably make a shake in our britches. 
Mm. Amen. One of these days, we are going to know if we're still alive when that period of time comes. Once this stuff, all these, like those giants coming up out of the, all that stuff, whatever Luke is talking about, in Luke chapter 21, he said, men's hearts failing them for looking upon those things that are coming upon the earth. What could make somebody's hearts fail them just by looking at it? What is he talking about? See, that's ambiguous. The verse is ambiguous. What's he talking about that causes heart attacks? Anyway, go ahead, Brother Dave. Let's finish on out chapter 9. Okay, verse 14. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off, and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were we made rich, all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Oh, now the prophets and the apostles, the Lord has has have, have avenged you. I don't think that old Babylon had anything to do with the apostles, <laughs> since there was. But Apostle Peter says he was in Babylon. That's another thing I was going to bring. Where they try to say where it says, and nobody shall live there forever. Peter tells you he's in Babylon in his second epistle. So that, that's another thing that shoots down the people that think it's already been fulfilled. Anyway, continue on, brother Dave. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city of Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by the Thy sorceries were all nations deceived. 
And you can make, you can try to, I know that word means pharmakia in the Greek. I've heard it enough. I hope I know it. I've, I've heard that spewed for years. People will run here and they'll use this word sorcery and it's far, and, and they, it, for good reason. For a good reason. Brother Kevin was talking about some of those good reasons before the program started. But it also means exactly what it says. I took you back to Ezekiel 13 and showed you some sorcery going on. Making souls to fly. I'm when just, you watch uh, television, when you watch the Super Bowl, when they they're just started, and I didn't watch it, of course, but they had um, the Olympics just start, and they had the ceremonies and all this. They're always talking about all these, and they're even talking about it now on mainstream news about who they're worshiping demons, worshiping ceremonies, satanic ceremonies. Really? Everything, the news, yes. Sorcery, sorcery, sorceries. Whenever you listen to a movie, watch uh, the uh, listen to music. Sorcery. You're doing the pharmacia that opens your mind and puts you into a place and time where the sorceries work on you. Absolutely, absolutely. Before Brother Pete Peters died, he had, he he was on to something about the geographical layout of Washington D.C. The ley lines, yes. And he, it was the name of his, uh, the, his website was dcsorceries.com. It's no longer there. Don't try to run and pull it up because it's no more there. And a lot of his stuff that was good, I wish the Lord hadn't took him on when he did, but he did, and ain't nothing I can do about that. But anyway, bottom line, what am I saying? You see all these geometric things that the Masons do and, and the way they always talk about these hidden signs that they use and all this stuff. If you've seen one video, you've seen them all. It's all the same thing. They just regurgitate the same thing, okay, just from a different angle. Well, Pete Peters, Brother Pete said, he told me this over the telephone, that he thought actual sorcery, that these symbols were actually, on the ley lines, like Brother Dave said, these symbols actually permitted sorcerers to do their sorcery and cast spells over the people of yes. North America. You know what, folks? I'll just be honest with you. I believe it. I do, too. Even the dollar bill has those talismans on it. It's sorcery. I believe it, folks. And you can laugh, and you can you can laugh at whatever you want to do, but I believe it. Can I prove it? By insinuation, I can, but not laying it out in facts. Let me ask you a question. Why would anybody go to as much trouble to make all those geometric designs? Why? Why? Why spend more money to do those intricate things over and over and over again, down through the years, down through the millennia, in the churches, in the temples, in the buildings. Why would the Masons do what they've been doing for millennia over and over and over again just because they got a secret group? You think that's it? Folks, that's ridiculous. There is something else going on. 
I can't. I, sorcery is one part of it. I thoroughly believe that. And there's something else going on. Got to do with the souls of men, folks. I'll, I, that's as far as I can take you. Lord hasn't showed me anything else. I just know it's connected. Connected. And portals, I believe. It has connections with oh, that. There, no and doubt lay, about it. Absolutely. These ley lines go through all the western nations of the world. Yes. The lands of Israel. Yes. Amen, brother. Amen, amen, amen. I agree 100%. Is there any questions in the chat room? Or has anybody got any comments they want to add or anything else? Give you a few seconds to write something down. Brother Chad, you got anything you want to add to any of this stuff, Brother Dave? Um, no, there's so much. Like I, I've heard the the whole outside of the uh, Washington D.C. the the road is exactly 66.6 miles. Um, the, the the Washington Monument is 555 feet above ground, but when you take in the below ground, it's exactly 666 feet. Yes. Yeah. Um, all that stuff. Absolutely. The shape of the owl that's actually in from from an aerial view, you can see an owl in in the way that they set up the streets and everything. It's, it's there's definitely something. Yep. There's of course there's there's something, brother. Absolutely, something going on. The the, the dumb people. It, it I'm always screaming TV and media. It's not just TV. The, some way the media thing enhances the symbols. I'll, I, I'm, now I'm going to start explaining it all if I don't shut my mouth. That I think that the media enhances the symbols that's already laid out. I think that the the radio waves and see I'm getting all wacky on you now, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. You can do it what you want to do with it. I think that all those microwaves, radio waves, all those things that are invisible, they have some kind of resonance with the symbols and monuments and the ley lines, and they cause something to happen in the in individuals. And yeah. the, the initiated are are it's like they've got a vaccine where it doesn't affect them, but it affects them. It affects the masses. Does that make sense to y'all? Yes. Yeah. I, I I have a video on all this architecture and the ley lines, and this about resonance. This is the major aspect of the ley lines: is that there's communication through some kind of resonance in the spirit world that's highly active along these ley lines, and they communicate more easily in this resonance. Mm-hmm. With demon spirits, with perhaps fallen angels or some other spiritual powers of wickedness, yes, along these ley lines, it's more easily done, and that's why they have their architecture and everything set up along those lines, so that spirits can communicate and be more active along these lines, and it's amplified, I believe, like what you're saying with mm-hmm. these radio waves, television. Right. Um, the other modern mm-hmm. technology. Yeah. Yes, all the all the all phones, Wi-Fi. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and absolutely. I think, and you're right, but maybe not a um, a uh, antidote or or an immunity pill. 
It's those that have, because it says, you know, he would deceive the elect if it were possible. It's when the veil's lifted. It's, it's almost like we're on one side and the veil's lifted. We can see it all. They're on the other side, and they got Satan behind them. And, you know, we've got Christ behind us. They've got Satan behind us. And there's these very few people that are actually in physical form, like like what Dave's talking about. There's these 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 highways of, of spirits flowing back and forth. And... As, as the veil comes away from our eyes, it's like we can see it. But And then in, in the middle is the 99.9% .9 of everyone that's completely deceived. And there's the battlefield right there. Well, I agree. My, my opinion... Big bumping of souls right there. My opinion is that that, the, what, that what's being done to the masses has the absolute opposite effect on the remnant. Amen. But think about what I just said, David. I can think you repeat what, that? I think what is happening to the masses has the exact opposite effect on the remnant. Mm. I, think that the more, I think the more that's done to the masses makes the remnant, it, it, it whittles down to the very bare minimum of the remnant. In other words, if it, de if it, deceives, if it, de it, if it deceives the masses, it wakes up the remnant. Yes. It has the opposite effect. Yes, it it becomes more and more pronounced. Yes. wickedness. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Amen. That's my opinion. I like it. That's my opinion. I can't prove it, but I think that's what's <laughs> going on. There's no anything, brother Kevin, in the chat room. No, sir. Okay. All right. If there's nothing in the chat room, Brother Dave, go ahead and dismiss us in a word of prayer. And I'll, I'll remember Brother Stephen, Sister Julie as well, and Brother Sergio, and Brother Brian Adams. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight, and we give thanks for this teaching. We give thanks for the Holy Spirit that unveils the Word of God to us and unveils to us in a time and place the proper teaching that is required for that time and that can be utilized in the future father we give thanks that you are uh, that your angels are encamped about us protecting us and that the spirit of god dwells in us and on us and protects us and we give thanks lord that there's no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper Amen. lord no weapon will prosper against us and we believe that that the more that we see the wickedness coming the more that the anointing the more that the grace of god is active in us to reveal the truth in us of the word of god and that we see more easily and more readily the wickedness and deceit of the world as it is ramped up, and we see more and more the holiness and purity of God unveiled in the Word of God and by the Spirit and presence of the Almighty with us. And, Father, tonight I pray for Julie and Steve, Lord. I pray for them that you would meet their needs, that you would minister to them, that you would bring them into places of ministry where they can minister to others and that there would be healing for Brother Steve in his yes, body, Lord. Lord, that he would be raised up and used as a minister of God to many people that you lead him to. And I pray for Brother Sergio out in Vancouver, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would raise up people that he can um, fellowship with and yes. that he can minister to as well 
because he's listening, he's studying, and he's delving into the scriptures. Lord, I just pray that you would um, refine him and help him to be at his very best to to be used by you. And I pray for Brother Brian Adams, Lord, that you would bring a healing in his body and a deliverance from the assaults and attacks of demons and of devils upon his flesh. And I pray all this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray the blood of Jesus on each and every one whom I've prayed for and everyone here in the chat room in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for that holy blood that has cleansed us, and we give thanks for it. So be these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Uh, contact information for yeah. Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number 334-397-2333. The email address is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. Again, that is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. The mailing address 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, 36017, 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Amen. Appreciate it. Good job, Brother Chad and Brother Dave. Um, Listen, tomorrow night we will be, we'll pick up the next church in the book of Revelation, Lord willing, health permitting. And uh, I appreciate you folks there in the chat room. Uh, All you downloaders, I appreciate you all too. God bless each and every one of you. And Lord willing, we'll see you back tomorrow night. Same time, same channel, as they used to say on the old boob cube. Anyway, love you guys. We'll talk to you all later, okay, Brother Chad? Good night, all. Good night, Amen. Good night. Good night.
Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.